All right, let's talk some movers that you missed in today's action. George Tillis with three very different companies on his radar. And Georgia, after a down day in markets, no better way to cheer up than to think about our uh, fuzzy friends at home. PetMed Express, hopefully they're not sick, though. Uh, are there a lot of healthy pets out there, George? Is this why PetMed is down as much as it is over the last year? Nobody needs any medication? Well, I was going to ask you, what's going on with the uh, the spending on pets, OJ? It seems to be the trend uh, that uh, people... I'm doing my part. ...from the stock standpoint. got to yeah, keep them say, fat I'm and sure happy. you are, but... Uh, that's right, absolutely. But at the end of the day, look, from a stock price performance, uh, the market has been unfavorable to the pet industry pretty much altogether. Now, PetMed Express is really no exception. It was higher uh, slightly today based upon earnings results, which actually were worse than expected. But if you look at pets, PetMed Express, which is basically really focused, let me just talk about the company. It's a nationwide pet pharmacy that focuses on direct-to-consumer uh, uh, pharmacy medicines, but also they have a vet portal so it's more of a business-to-business business, uh, business as well. But at the same time, the company itself is expending quite a bit of money to expand on services, which include all, all things like insurance services, but other ancillary services like foods and so forth, which again, uh, is something that Chewy has done exceptionally well from a, from a company standpoint, but the stock price itself has not done very well at all, with Chewy down about 60% over the last year. Now, if you look at uh, Pets uh, OJ or PetMed Express, uh, they reported earnings actually missed quite a bit. 30% uh, 30 miss on earnings came in about 21 cents versus the 30 cent expected number. Now, last year they posted about 38%, 38 cents, forgive me, uh, in uh, in EPS versus 21 cents this quarter. And top line sales were down about 8% uh, at 61 million. And if you compare that to last year, 66 million. You're seeing about an 8% decline on a year-over-year -year basis uh, with net income actually only about 4.3 million versus last year's 7.6. So we're seeing some decline in sales, but we're also seeing some decline in net income for the name. Uh, but at the same time, the company's paying a pretty hefty dividend. Uh, if you look at PetMed, uh, PetMed Express's dividend, we're paying about 30 cents a share uh, on a quarterly basis. You annualize that, it's a buck 20. And prior to this earnings, that was about 93% of their earnings which were about a buck 25 in the last four quarters, all of which the company has missed on its sales and earnings uh, estimates. But overall, the company's still paying their dividend. And I think this is why uh, we're seeing some rules, you know, stagnant price action. The company's paying nearly 93% of its earnings in the last four quarters. And you have to think about this quarter, they actually missed. So they may be paying based on this quarterly's earnings more in dividends than they can afford to do so. And this may be why we're seeing some maybe cautious tone associated from Jeffries, which has actually downgraded the price to 21, well, 24 from 26, but also Morgan Stanley uh, downgrading the price, not their uh, rating. They do maintain an underweight rating on the stock to 21 from 24. Okay. All right, so uh, not a lot of love for it, uh, despite the essential service uh, that it provides. Uh, so maybe a little bit uh, more in the way of uh, diversification of the business model. Why do they combine you know, with Chewy or something like that. Uh, so something to think about. George, while I've got you here though, okay, I want to uh, get your yeah. expertise, if you don't mind, just real quick on what we saw for the Microsoft report. Just want to revisit this as NASDAQ is uh, futures are now down in the aftermarket. Microsoft down a little bit, about $11. We were talking about the debate over whether or not a big billion dollar top line beat will offset uh, cooling the growth in the Azure department for cloud. I know you know this company as well as anybody else. So give me your take here. What do you think? 
Well, look, I think because uh, I haven't looked at the numbers, OJ, to be honest with you, I think overall it's not necessarily going to change the the outcome for the markets. I, I think these markets are really contingent upon the Fed meeting on Wednesday. We may, may see. Do you think that's uh, more important? The counter trend rally. It's, yeah, I think that's more important. I think the markets are, are waiting until Wednesday, to be honest with you. We may see a counter trend rally, and this may be based on language that the Fed provides not necessarily with the rate hikes or maybe the pace of the tapering, but what are they doing with their balance sheet? I think that we need at least some relief from the Fed because if, if you just go back to November, and I, and I keep mentioning this because it's very poignant and meaningful, that to me, on an on, honestly speaking, there was no reason for them to accelerate the taper. That was the, uh, that was the linchpin, if you will, uh, that really sort of set off this uh, sell-off that has begun, that actually begun in mid-November. And I think Overall, uh, rate hikes are to be expected, but there was no reason to accelerate the taper. So there needs to be some balance sheet relief from the Fed, I, albeit uh, either they're going to continue to reinvest the uh, maturing bonds on their on their books, which means they'll keep the balance sheet steady. Uh, I think the markets may be expecting them to start selling off assets on their balance sheet, which I don't think is going to happen. But maybe uh, if they give some clarity in that regard, the markets my uh, my rally. So. Okay. To answer your question, I don't think Microsoft is enough. Uh, mm. We're dealing with something that's a little bit more forceful right now, and that's uh, monetary policy. All right. Uh, thanks, George, for that thought. Okay. Uh, back to our scheduled programming here. Uh, you've got a couple of big movers uh, that uh, uh, are also somewhat um, you know, connected to some fundamental news, trying to break away from that policy uh, uh, you know, uh, domination in terms of uh, flows right now. Sierra Oncology is uh, going to offer $100 million of common stock. Uh, the shares are up 46% on the day. Uh, this is a company that's uh, dealing with uh, advanced targeting therapeutics uh, in the hematology and oncology space. The issue shares stock uh, uh, you know, goes up by 50%. Yeah, so uh, I think the stock was halted, OJ, near the near the close today. So we'd like to see what's going on tomorrow. But you know, based on the report that you gave us, $100 million, the market capitalization is about 370 million. So that's about you know a 25% dilution for Sierra, which is basically a development stage uh, oncology company. Uh, over the last five years, the stock is down about 60%. So today's move is not sufficient to offset that uh, that loss from an equity standpoint. But they did actually come out with some very positive phase three trials for a medicine that they're uh, developing that deals with uh, my myelial fibrosis, which is essentially one kind of bone cancer. So this is basically a, a, a medicine or a therapeutic that's a second line uh, treatment. First line treatment would of course be things like radi radiation treatment, chemotherapy, and the traditional therapies. But this, uh, this uh, uh, therapy that uh, Sierra is working on and the positive results came from their clinical trials deals with things like anemia, severe weakness, fatigue, uh, and 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 uh, all of the other secondary applications and, and uh, uh, problems that come from cancer treatments. Mm. But, you know, one of the things I look for, OJ, and I will stress this, is I didn't see any partnerships, revenue, no debt, uh, which is a little bit concerning as well, because I like to see some debt, and that means that creditors are really vetting the company and they actually see something substantive. Uh, so it's really only equity financed. Uh, so you have to be cautious in something like this. Even though it's a really nice move, there's no doubt. It's the company's phase three clinical trial, not necessarily an FDA review. All right. Uh, this one, uh, George, is um, uh, something that we've kind of talked about before, right? Uh, you have to be very wary of the risk uh, that you're taking, but um, these are the types of uh, trades that can be very, very rewarding uh, if things go right. It's just sure. somewhat of a big if. 
Uh, okay, GT, last one, Tidewater, TDW. What do you see here? Well, I think, you know, I think oil and gas and energy, OJ, is, uh, is still perhaps uh, has some momentum to the upside because of inflation. I, you have to think about commodities as an inflation hedge. The other thing is uh, the elasticity of demand, that even if prices rise, generally speaking, consumption is relatively stable. So, you know, I think, you know, energy right now is still in favor because of the stability associated with it. Now, Tidewater is a company uh, that didn't have any news today. I think it's moving in sympathy with the rest of the energy space, but it's an offshore marine vessel company and marine support services company. So everything from towing uh, rigs, uh, anchoring rigs, uh, offshore rigs, supply transport, but also like undersea remote vehicles and dive support. All those ancillary services are what Tidewater does, majority uh, in the North American markets, but they actually have exposure in the Mediterranean, uh, West Africa and the Middle East. Uh, but I think overall, we're seeing some trends uh, accelerate in the energy space. One of the things I did notice, uh, you have to kind of zoom out a little bit on energy, but if you look at, for instance, like Halliburton and Occidental, companies like Tidewater, they're still trading considerably below their three-year price levels. Yeah. Uh, so again, there may be some additional room to run in these names. Now, closing the gap to its pre-COVID high, though. Came out of bank That's right. Tidewater did come out of uh, bankruptcy uh, back in 2017, so they don't necessarily have a balance sheet or a capital structure issue, but it seems to be that they have an income issue. And I think overall, the number of active or average active vessels is actually about half of where it was uh, one year ago. They had about 69 on average active vessels, and right now about 38. So uh, I think if they show some accelerating trends in that regard because of higher prices, uh, you could see Tidewater break to the upside on a consistent basis. Now, I will, from a price action st standpoint, say that the uh, the breakout range of April 2021 is about $14.64. If I'm not mistaken, it closed higher than that, but generally you'd like to see two consecutive closes to perhaps confirm a, a major trend reversal. So this is an interesting name. Uh, it doesn't grow very much in terms of sales, doesn't have a balance sheet issue. Mm -hmm. uh, but overall, if they can increase the number of active vessels, you could probably see the stock continue to move the upside from here. Okay. Nice uh, work, George, on the deep dive here for some overlooked movers of the session. we got to jump, getting back to earnings. Thank you, George, our contributor, joining us from Salt Lake.